You see, Daniel asked God to order his steps. I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> I'm sure the children, if I asked them, I'm sure they'd say there had been times when they were riding in the car with their parents and they got lost. I know my husband has gotten lost like that when we've been riding and he refuses, refuses to stop and ask for directions. Instead, he blames the GPS, he blames the Google Maps, he blames whoever gave us the directions, and last but not least, he blames Miss Kathy. <laughs> and you see, life gets like that. When it's hard to get back on the right road, when you get lost in all the things that's going on, we're gonna find that that's what happened with Daniel. When our children are allowed to Evidence of the fact that I could bring these things lets you know that I'm not doing so good either. My children love Harry Potter. So when they are getting Harry Potter in their spirits, how can they help but be lost when things happen in their lives? You see, and I went through their movie case and they had Twilight vampires and werewolves and I have to admit I've looked at it once or twice myself and then we talk about how our children won't pull up their pants they ghetto and they gangster but we let them watch straight out of Compton they idolize Ice Cube we are going to have to make some choices so that our children are prepared when they go out into this world. I was able to go through some magazines that my husband had sitting on the coffee table. When our children are looking at magazines like this, how can we expect them to have a clean house or heart? We teach our girls that in order for them to be accepted, they got to dress so that something is showing. You see, when we, when we look at what Daniel was going through, Daniel was a prophet who was only 15, 16, or 17. Theologians are not able to decide which, but even if we don't know exactly what age he is, we know that he was a teenager. How many of us, if our children were separated from us, would be able to make the right choice? How many of them would fall back on these magazines, these books, or these movies? How many of them would be able to do what Daniel was doing? You see, Daniel, we're going to, our Bible story today is going to come from the entire first chapter of Daniel. But we're gonna focus on the eighth verse because the eighth verse defines the rest of Daniel's life. He said that he was going to purpose in his heart. How many of us would be able to say as children if we were picked up and separated 
from our families. How many of you could move if someone came and took you from your home and sent you to a foreign country? How many of you would be able to survive? You see, Daniel was placed in, he was captured and placed in slavery when the Babylonian king sent his master eunuch to go and pick. He said he wanted the best of the best. He said he wanted young men who were in the king of Judah's house that were in his bloodline. He wanted them not to have any blemish. He wanted them to be handsome. He wanted them to be wise. He wanted them to be educated. So he was pulling the best of the best. Now they have not been able to decide whether he wanted these boys in his household working for him so that the king of Judah would be constantly reminded that he had been defeated or whether he actually just wanted the best to be working for him. So we find that Daniel and three of his closest friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, went to, the, to Babylon. And I tried to think of a city here that would be like Babylon. You see, in Babylon, they weren't worshiping God. They had golden idols. They had um, all kinds of idols that had been built. And they were not worshiping the one true God. But Daniel, as a teenager, was still able to make the right choice, the right decision when the time came. He did not allow them to make him worship one of their gods. And you see, when the king, when they came in, the king said he was going to put them in training for three years. He was going to train them in his language. He was going to train them in um, all of the Chaldean um, ways. You see, they had been taken, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been taken from their home and just dropped down in this place, isolated from their families. They were over 800 miles from their families. So even if Daniel had decided that he wanted to just go on and fit in to get along, he could have because there was nobody close by to see. But we know, and the kids know, that God sees everything. So God sees anything that you do or any decision that you make, he knows about it. So when the king said, I want, I'm going to set aside meat after it has been blessed by Buddha and all these other gods, and then I'll bring it to you guys to eat, and I have the finest wine. I'm so glad I brought this wine. See, that's the way you're supposed to drink wine, straight from the bottle. But <laughs> Sorry, Pastor. <laughs> so the king said he set aside meat and wine for Daniel, the Hebrew boys, and all the other captains. Okay, then we go to Daniel. Why? You got to always be making trouble. So Daniel goes to the head eunuch and says, I really cannot defile my body with that. 
I would prefer. Eunuch looked at him and said, I don't think you get a choice in this, my brother. The king has said that you're going to eat, and you're not going to get me killed because you don't eat and drink. But Daniel didn't give up. Daniel said, let me make a deal with you. You know, we have three years that we're going to be in training if, give us just 10 days, 10 days of eating vegetables, fruit, and drinking water. So he said, okay, if in 10 days I look at you and I can't see the difference between you and the other guys or you don't look so bad that the king is going to come after me, then I'll let you do it. Daniel and the three Hebrew boys ate pulse, fruits and vegetables, and drank water for 10 days. After 10 days, when the master of the Enix looked at him, he said, they actually look better than everybody else. So in three years, when the training was over and the king brought all of them in, the king looked at them, and the king didn't just say that they look better. He said they look 10 times better. 10 times better because God rewards those of us who when the times get tough, we dig in and don't give up. You see, what you're going through are not to make you forget where you're going to. And that's what Daniel did. Even though Daniel was in captivity the majority of his life, he never gave up. Daniel continued to call on God and remember the things that he had been taught. So children, when your parents send you to Sunday school or to children's church to pay attention, it's because they don't know what tomorrow may bring. So if I asked you, Avery, how long did the king say that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys would be in training? What would your answer be? Three years. Three years. Come down and get a candy. So, Imari, if I asked you, how much better did the king say the Hebrew boys and Daniel looked, how, much, how many times would you say it was? I couldn't hear. Come on down. Okay, so the king of Babylon was in a time, and like I said earlier, I could not think of a city. I mean, maybe Vegas, you think? Babylon was one of those cities where everything was going on. And the king wanted Daniel and the Hebrew boys to fall in love with where they were. He had isolated them. He had intimidated them. He had put them into slavery. And he still thought by giving them this fancy food, these bottles of wine, that they were going to forget where they came from. He was wrong. He was wrong. And when Daniel decided in verse 8 that he was going to purpose in his heart 
not to allow Babylon to defile him. How many of you would be able to do that? You see, when we send our children off to school every day, it's like sending them to a missionary field. I know you never thought about that, but it's like sending them to a missionary field in a foreign country. They are in a school where it's anti-Bible, it's anti-Christ, and it's anti-Christian. So, children, I'm going to ask you, how many of you, when you get your lunch and you sit down, how many of you say your grace? Raise your hand. How many of you do it in such a way that nobody knows you're doing it? How many of you say it out loud? Raise your hand. How many of you whisper it to yourself without moving your lips? <laughs> so nobody knows that's what you're doing. Raise your hand. Don't be scared. That's okay. Some of the adults are not even saying it at all. So let me ask that. How many of you adults, when you're sitting in the boardroom or you're having lunch with the president of your company, how many of you say grace? Raise your hand. How many of you say grace where you are mumbling it to yourself and nobody knows what's going on? It's good to be honest. So our children need to know, guys, that when they go out into the world, and they are faced with these kinds of decisions that somebody at home is praying for them. Somebody knows what they're going through. And somebody wants things to be okay for them. How many of you, when you, um, you go to school and it says that your body should be a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing, yet when you listen to the popular music, there are no restraints on sex, drugs, or anything else. And I have trouble a lot of times with the kids memorizing the songs that we're singing. But if I put on one of those popular hits, they know every word. Daniel is a good example for us, guys. You ought to have a Daniel attitude in your life. You ought to have a Daniel spirit because we live in a country where there are no restrictions on religion. There are no restrictions on us teaching our children to pray. When they get in a crunch or a bind, they ought to be able to pray. They ought to know how to pray. They ought to know that there are no magic words. They ought to know that if they just called the name Jesus, they're praying. So if I asked where Daniel was originally from before he was taken into captivity and taken to Babylon, how many people would raise their hands? Who was paying attention? Who knows that Daniel was raised in Judah? So what if I asked then where he was taken when he was placed in captivity? Ryland, what city or country was Daniel taken to when he was placed in captivity? Miss Kathy just told you. You remember? No? Anybody? Babylon. Daniel was the kind of example that we hope 
that our children will be. I was, when we looked at this lesson, the call to character, it was during the time when we were looking at what we're dealing with as a country. Daniel was taken from his family just like a lot of children have been taken from their families today. And I wondered how those children and those parents are dealing with that. And I wondered if we were placed in that position again, because we've been there, if we were placed in that position again. You see, Daniel didn't complain. Daniel didn't say, I'm sure he wanted to go home, but that was not what he focused on. He focused on his situation now and doing what God would want him to do in that situation. How many of you, if your children were removed from you, you'd still be able to praise God? You see, because Daniel didn't ever get to go home, and some of those children would probably not be going home. So how many of you would be able to maintain your religion? How many of you would ask, why, God? Why my child? Or how many of you would know you should be asking, why not me? What makes me so special that it shouldn't be me? You see, because when God gives me a burden, he knows that I can bear it. And if he took my burden and gave it to you, would that be fair? I mean, I know we're all grateful that it's not our children that have been taken, but it is our children. It is our children. When Daniel was taken, it is our children. So we need to make sure that our children are trained in such a way that if something happened tomorrow, they'd be able to withstand the fire. They know who is there with them. When I left home, going to law school, and my daddy came to where I was to say, um, to say goodbye and wish me well. I was driving with someone else. And he came to the car and he gave me what little money he had in his pocket. He gave me all that he had. And he said, I can't go with you. He said, and I don't have a lot of money to see. He said, but I know a God can go anywhere. He said, I know a God that when you get to Texas and you have a problem, you can call him anytime. He said, and it won't be long distance. So I know that Daniel's mother probably felt the same way. His father probably hoped that Daniel would remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He probably hoped that even in a foreign land, Daniel would remember everything they had taught him. One of my girlfriends um, died when she was very young. And at that time, she had already, she had gotten married right out of high school. She had had three kids. She died at about age 30, 35. And we thought she was moving so fast, but we had no idea what God had in store. You see, that's why it's so important that we train up our children now because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what they may face tomorrow. 
I had, a, I had another friend who was in law school with me, had done everything right. He had gone to Fisk University and graduated. He had come to law school. He was just doing fine. Everything his parents thought he should be doing. We were in our second year of law school when he was arrested and charged with rape. Then he was convicted and sentenced to 25 years for something he did not do. He felt that that was so unfair, but God had a reason for putting him where he put him. And a lot of times, we're not able to see that for the bars. We're not, see, we're not able to see that for what we're going through. But Daniel is the example that we should always be willing to come back to. Because Daniel, if we will recall, was in captivity. Daniel was in a place where he would never see his family again. Daniel was in a foreign land, but all he said was, I will purpose in my heart. You see, verse 8 defines for us the lion's den. Verse 8 defines for us everything that Daniel stood for in those other 12 chapters. You know, I tell the children all the time, God has a place for you just like he does adults. We think of prophets as adults. Daniel was a teenager, but he was a prophet of God. He was a prophet of God, and our children, I say all the time, if I need something prayed about or something prayed for, I bring it to my children. Because when children pray, their prayers are answered. Because they, I've told them that if you ask for it and you believe, it will be given to you. And they believe that. So just like Daniel as a child made the right choices, the right decisions, we should hope that our children will do the same if they were separated from us. And that we would be able to do the same as well. The song that we started with said, order my steps with your word. We should ask God to order our steps with his word. As long as our steps are ordered and we have the atti attitude of Daniel, everything including our lives will be pure and pleasing. The verse says our bodies, we should honor him with our bodies. So I say to you today to take the 2P test anytime you're getting ready to do something and ask yourself, is it pure and is it pleasing? And if it's not, then you shouldn't do it.